Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Wow. Well, again, I, 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 I just want to remind you and encourage you, there's just 27 days left. So if you've been reading through every word, don't give up now. Now is the time to finish strong. And if you find yourself that you've fallen behind, hit that catch up button and try to, to finish it by the end of the year. Because y'all, uh, that's just less, uh, four, less than four weeks to finish up the one year Bible. And we're going to be getting started with on January 20, uh, January 2023, right? Again, reading through the Bible together as a church family. And we've been saying, and I want to say it again, that starting January 1st, 2023, we're encouraging everyone to get on the Life Journal. Everybody say Life Journal. And actually today, if you're looking in your Bible app at the digital bulletin and following along the message, uh, they've actually provided a link where you can just click it and save the Life Journal plan for January 1st. So save the Life Journal for January 1st and we'll get started again at the new year. How about that? Anybody want to learn more how to pray? I'm going to continue teaching you today seven ways to pray and, you know, this, is, this theme has been, uh, over the past month, uh, we've been going back through the Bible, learning different prayer patterns or models or tracks, if you will. And uh, this theme has been uh, taking us towards the end of 2022. It's going to transition us into 2023. And we're going to begin the year like we did last year with seven days of fasting and prayer. This year's seven days of fasting and prayer will be January. Does anybody remember? 15th through the 21st, okay? Jot that down. January 15th through the 21st, we'll be fasting and praying together for seven days. And every night of that week, seven nights of prayer, okay? We're going to come together for seven special prayer meetings during that week. And also, we have some very, very exciting plans for prayer next year, which I'm not going to tell you quite yet. But you want to stay tuned for that. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without or never stop praying, right? And this, we've been learning that this is a prayer lifestyle. Prayer is not just something we do. Prayer is how we live our life. Life is meant to be a constant conversation with God. And we've been saying it again and again, that if you stay on your face, you cannot That's right. If we stay on our face, we cannot fall. So we want to learn to live a prayer lifestyle. Now, where might be the best place to learn to pray? Yeah, in the Bible. And so, again, we've been learning uh, in, in this series seven ways to pray. There are definitely more than seven ways to pray in the Bible, but I've chosen seven prayer models or tracks to teach you um, over the, uh, the past month and the upcoming month that will help us stay on track in prayer. Because we know that every single one of our prayers can't be encompassed in a prayer track, right? I mean, sometimes all we pray is, help Jesus, right? But we've been learning that in the Bible, there's some models, there's some examples of how to pray. And if we learn to follow a track, it helps us to get going to get started and then once we get started it help us helps us to stay on 
track, right? And so we've been learning about these prayer tracks. We started with tabernacle prayer about a month ago. We learned about how the tabernacle in the Old Testament is a model of prayer. We learned uh, then about praying the names of God. And then last Sunday, if you were here, we learned the prayer of Jabez. And I have been praying that prayer all week long. Anybody been praying the prayer of Jabez this week? Very good. Well, today... We're going to jump into number four. But before I jump into it, question. Do you prefer putting things together freestyle or following instructions? You ever had something that says on the package, some assembly required, which literally means a really big headache in a box, right? Some assembly required. Um, that's definitely not my favorite thing. In fact, Ikea is my nightmare, okay? Um, I really don't like to sit down and follow instructions on how to put things together. I prefer to do it kind of freestyle, but I don't know if, if you've ever tried to put something together freestyle. Sometimes it turns out, eh. But a lot of times it turns out, right? Liz loves putting things together and following instructions. We, we, we see that we talked about it a few weeks ago in, in, in the kitchen, right? Uh, I don't really like to follow recipes. I just like to make things like I like them because I know how they're supposed to taste. And then Liz likes to follow the exact recipe. And she doesn't like me coming in and interfering when she's following a recipe. And I don't like her coming in and applying a recipe when I'm cooking, right? <laughs> and in our house, when there's something that needs assembling... She loves to follow instructions. I'll let her do it. <laughs> but how many of us know that instructions are good? Right? Instructions are good. And instructions on prayer are good. Prayer tracks are good. Say that with me. Prayer tracks are good. So that's why we've been learning seven ways to pray. Um, in fact, speaking of instructions, Jesus in Luke chapter 11, it says this. Once Jesus was in a certain place doing what? Praying. And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to, just as John taught his disciples, Jesus said, this is how. Hmm. I feel like some instructions are about to come. How about you? This is how you should pray. We're going to look at that here in detail in just a minute. But you guys, the disciples could have specifically asked Jesus to teach them how to do a lot of things, right? Like, excuse me, Jesus, could you teach us how exactly how you heal a sick person? Might you teach us, could you teach us exactly how you cleanse a leper? Could you teach us exactly? Jesus, we want some instructions on how you multiply fish and bread. Jesus how do you cast demons out of people? In fact, one time they did ask him, how do you do that? What was his answer? Prayer. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, the disciples could have asked him anything right here. But they asked him to teach him how to pray because I think they knew that that was the most important and powerful thing Jesus knew how to do. Right? And so we're going to take a look today at Jesus' prayer model. And, you know... With the rest, just like with the rest of the prayer tracks, we could go, a, you know, 
a long time on every single little point. We don't have time for that. So I'm going to give you an outline here in just a minute. And I want to encourage you to dig deeper as you practice this prayer this week on your own. And again, as we've been saying over and over, if you'd like to come spend some time in the sanctuary Wednesday evening, come and practice Jesus' prayer model uh, this week here in the sanctuary, which, by the way, is open on Wednesdays from 5 to 9. So the fact that this is Jesus' prayer model makes me think it might kind of be an important one. Maybe even the best one, okay? Um, Some people call this Jesus' prayer model. That's what I call it. Some people call this Jesus' model prayer. Some people call it the Lord's prayer. In Spanish, they call it the, anybody know? El Padre Nuestro, right? Okay. But one name that a lot of people don't know that Jesus' prayer model is actually called, and it may be the very best description of this prayer of all of them. I want us to learn that this is the good news prayer. This is the good news prayer. And this might be new to some of us, but Jesus' model prayer or Jesus' prayer model is actually praying the gospel. Every time we pray through the model that we're about to see that Jesus gave us, we're literally praying and declaring the good news of the kingdom of God. Come on, say good news prayer. So I want to learn to pray it properly. Because I want to live a good news life. And I feel like if I learn to pray the good news, I might learn how to live the good news. How about you? Man, I don't know what's going to happen. But if we start learning to pray like Jesus knew how to pray, some things could happen, right? Who wants to learn the good news prayer? Again, I think this one might be pretty important. So what I want to do is to take this uh, in two translations today. We're going to read out of the ESV and the Passion Translation This is going to be out of Matthew 6. Uh, This is also found in Luke 11. We're going to read Matthew's Matthew's version of it today. Matthew 6, 5 through 13. Are we ready? Come on, who's ready for the word? And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners. Look at me right so that they may be seen by others truly I say to you they have received their reward what is their reward people's attention that's right but when you pray come on turn to somebody and say but when you pray go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you and when you pray When you pray, come on, turn to somebody else and say, when you pray, Jesus didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. Not like everybody else prays, but when you pray. Don't heap up empty phrases. As the Gentiles do. They think they'll be heard by their many words. You ever heard anybody pray like that? Don't raise your hand if that's you. 
But you think God hears you because you could just say all the words. Right? Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Isn't that reassuring? He said, he said pray then like this. Ready? Our Father in heaven, you could read it with me if you'd like. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not, come on, say not, not. into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's look at the Passion Translation. Whenever you pray, be sincere. And not like the pretenders who love the attention they receive while praying before others in the meetings and on the street corners. Believe me, they've already received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your innermost chamber and be alone with Father God, praying to him in secret. And your Father who sees all you do will reward you openly. When you pray, there's no need to repeat empty phrases praying like the Gentiles do, for they expect God to hear them because of their many words. And There's no need to imitate them since your Father already knows what you need before you ask him. Pray like this, let's pray it together in the Passion Translation. Our beloved Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. For you are the king who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. All right. First things first. First things first. In a few minutes, I'm going to give you the eight elements. Okay, that sounds like a really long message, but it won't be. Okay, it's going to be, we're going to go through them briefly. But before we get to that, we have to, to get, get the first most important thing in place first. And that is to whom Jesus told us to pray. He said, when you pray, pray our Father. Jesus was actually teaching something pretty revolutionary. Jesus didn't teach his disciples to pray to God. Now we know that we we know that 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 Father is God, right? The Lord. But Jesus taught us to pray to God as Father because Jesus for this very reason came. He came to take care of sin which had separated us from our relationship with God as Father and to restore our relationship as children of God, right? Come on, what do we call that? The, the gospel, right? That's the good news. That God came in the flesh through Jesus to take sin upon himself, to defeat it, to solve the problem of relationship with God, 
And when he did, he didn't just die and pay the price. He resurrected, so he permanently and forever defeated the power of sin. He got rid of the problem with our relationship with God. And now he's, he's teaching his disciples, when you pray, you're going to pray to your father. You're going to know him as your father, not just as God, right? He is our father. He is our heavenly father. God's heart and true identity are found in the good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ reveals who God really is. Father. And you know what? Our true identity is found in the gospel. So if we learn to pray like this, we're going to more and more and more not only recognize God's true identity, but also we're going to walk more in our true identity. We must learn to relate to God as Father. This, this relationship with God as our Father is really the premise of this prayer. You can't really go any further if you can't say, Father. Come on, why don't we just, why don't we say, Our Father. You know, our implies my. Right? Come on, say, My Father. Later on, we learned that we get the Holy Spirit, and He actually causes us to call God Abba. Daddy, it's that affectionate fatherly relationship, right? And this is how Jesus related to God, as Abba. And with his spirit on the inside of us, this is how we can relate to God. Because Jesus got rid of the problem. Jesus solved the relational issue with God through the cross and through the resurrection. See what I'm saying? This is a really a gospel prayer. This prayer is only possible because of the gospel. This prayer is only possible. We can only relate to God like we're, we just read and we're about to break it down because of the good news, because of what Jesus did through the cross. So these eight simple elements that we're about to look at are really are simple and easy to pray if we can just get that premise, that that, that, that relationship in place. Look at me real quick before we jump into this. If you do not know God as Father, today you can. I urge you. I urge you. Turn your life away from sin. Turn your heart to God. Put your faith in Jesus. You become a child of God and you'll be able to pray like we're about to learn. Come on, let's say it one more time. Our Father. My Father. The eight elements of Jesus' prayer model. Number one, secret. He said, pray to your Father who's in secret. Now, turn around and tell somebody, Psst, the secret. Come on, tell them, ask them, you want to know the secret? The secret is the secret. The secret of a powerful prayer lifestyle is the secret place. 
This is what made Jesus so extremely powerful when he walked the earth is that he always went to the Father in the secret place. Now, the secret place is not necessarily a physical place. I highly recommend you have a few secret places because when you got kids, you need more than one. How many of you found that out, right? And if you don't have kids, maybe you can just have one. But I, I have a few secret places I, 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 I try to go and pray, right? But in reality, the secret place is more than a physical place. The secret place is actually the place on the inside of you that only you and God can see. You can go to the secret place when you're surrounded by people. I do it all the time. Now, I've learned that if, if I want to be really in touch with my secret place on the inside, I need to practice being alone in the secret place away from people. But there, there was this old song back in the 90s. I think it's called On My Knees. And part of the song said, uh, basically it, it said something like, when I'm surrounded by people, I can still go there. I get on my knees. Okay. Nicole C. Mullen or Jesse Velasquez, look it up. All right. I get on my knees. <laughs> but the secret is the secret. And I love the fact that Jesus basically tells us that that's where the Father is waiting for us. He's waiting for us in the secret place. And he's not just waiting. He's waiting to reward us. There is a reward from, for, for learning to go to God in the secret place. Let's learn the secret. Number two is worship. He said, our Father in heaven or in the heavenly realms, hallowed be your name. Say hallowed. Not Halloween. Hallowed, okay? Maybe it's better to say hallowed, right? And this is a word a lot of people don't understand. So you know what really happens? I used to do this. I used to just say, hallowed be thy name. And it felt really good to say that. I had no clue what I was talking about, right? Okay? But it's, under, it's really important to understand what it means to hallow. Hmm. And that's not another way to say hello, okay? To Hallow means, ready? Pause and ponder and become aware. To pause and ponder and become aware of the greatness of God. It's how to hallow him is to be, be intentionally, engage your heart intentionally in awareness of God. He's there all the time. And at times he might interrupt us. But it's different when I bring my heart intentionally to the place of pause and awareness of him. And Jesus is teaching us that it's so important. If we're going to worship God properly, we need to make a practice of chilling for a second and taking a moment to be aware of who God is. Right? Hallowed be thy name. It says our Father in heaven, Jesus said, or in the heavenly realms, who dwells in the heavenly realms. Where is heaven? What, what is heaven, actually? Let's, let's, let's take it even that simple. 
What's heaven? I'll tell you what it isn't. Heaven is not some faraway dimension where one day we'll go when we die. That's not heaven. There's absolutely nothing in the Bible that would indicate anything like that type of heaven. Okay? Heaven is not a faraway dimension that one day we're going to go to when we're dead. Some of you look at me like, say, what? I always thought that was what heaven was. Biblically, read through the Old Testament, and in the mind of all the Hebrews, heaven and earth are like intermingled. That's why the temple, the tabernacle was so important. Because they believed that since heaven and earth, the heavens or the heavenly realm or the spirit realm, a lot of people call it, and the natural realm, it's not like here's the natural and somewhere way out yonder is the spiritual. Right? No, no, no. Spiritual and natural. Earth and heaven or heavens are right next to each other and in fact permeate one another. And they believed that in the tabernacle was the place where heaven and earth literally intersected. And that's why God's presence would manifest there. That's why the glory cloud would come. That's why Moses would go in and his face would shine and stuff like that, right? Okay. So when Jesus says heaven or heavens or heavenly realm, he's saying it as a Jewish person. Are you with me? He's not saying it as an American. He's not saying it as a Westerner. He's not saying it in the way we think a lot of times heaven or the way that most people think of heaven. He wasn't saying our father who lives way out there in heaven somewhere. He was saying literally our father who is in the very heavens we live in and under. We also call it the sky or the air. Okay. And our more modern lingo, right? So, I always love when I'm on an airplane because it's like, ooh, I'm in him. Like, I'm like flying in him because he's in the heavens. He's in the sky. And there's very, a very, very, very important thing in the sky that we all need in order to be and stay alive. What do we call it? Breath, oxygen, Right? And so we learned a few, a few weeks ago when we learned about praying the names of God. Remember God's personalized name that he revealed? What was it? Yahweh. Yahweh but remember how you say it? It's like taking a breath. Okay? Because literally the Bible says, I love this verse. It says, in him we live and move and have our being. That's not just like a nice phrase. We're literally in him, like inside him, okay? He dwells in the heavenly realms. That, that ought to encourage you because he's never, ever far away. We never, you know, and a lot of us, and I do it. I mean, and it's not wrong to do it, but sometimes we pray looking up like, like he's way out there. But in reality, I mean, he is way out there. He's actually beyond the furthest expanse of time and space in the universe. But he's also in every single tiny little atom of it. He's the one who created it and upholds it and sustains it by his word. 
We're in him. They said, do you got Jesus in your heart? I do. I do have him in my heart, but I have him everywhere else too. In fact, he's not just in me, even more real. I'm in him. Come on, say, in you, inside you, I live. Talk about becoming aware of him. He's so close. And when we worship, why am I taking so much time on this when we're talking about worship? If you understand how big and how great he is, worship just comes naturally. Hallowed be thy name. We become aware of who he is and where he is, right? Our creator, sustainer, our breath of life. Let's be aware of him and worship him. Number three. And three and four really are almost like two and one, one and two, but I'm going to break it down and we'll put them together. Number three is submission. Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, okay? This is another thing that we got to get straight in our mind, right? You know, uh, I, 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 I'll just be real honest. For many years, I prayed this prayer. When I prayed, your kingdom come, I had a mental picture. And my mental picture was like his king, this king thing called the kingdom of God. It's way off somewhere. And I'm praying for it to come, <laughs> right? Like come down. Come from there to here, Right? Some of you are like, oh, that's still the way I see it. Okay, that's fine. I saw it like that for a long time. But this is why it's the gospel prayer. The kingdom has come. And yeah, the kingdom is coming, the finality of it. But the kingdom has come. John the Baptist and Jesus both said this phrase. Repent or fall in line with God, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which doesn't just mean here, it means right here. <laughs> like, at hand means right here, not here, here, okay? Not the kingdom is coming, no, the kingdom is right here, right now, it's at hand. So close you can touch it. So close you can and better get into it, right? When he said kingdom come, there is this phrase that I want us to learn today. Literally, in the original language, what this means, uh, the kingdom of heaven is here or at hand. It's this phrase, God is in charge now. God is in charge now. And again, understanding this from the perspective of the gospel, the people of God, the people of Israel had been waiting for and praying for their Messiah to come, right? Believing that their king, God, their king, was going to come and set them free from worldly kings, right? And they believed that their king was going to come. And when John the Baptist showed up on the scene, he said, basically, he's here. And I'm not him. <laughs> and then when Jesus comes on the scene, he says, he's here. And by the way, I am him. <laughs> See, kingdom come literally just means God, take charge now. 
You be in charge now. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is here. Is God's in charge now. Because listen, this, is, this has got to really get into our hearts. God is already king. He's not going to be king. He is king. King of all kings and Lord of all lords. His kingdom, the reason Jesus taught us to pray it, is because his kingdom is wherever he's in charge. Look at me. Is he in charge of you yet? Has, is Jesus in charge of your heart today? Is Jesus reigning seated on the throne of your heart today? If Jesus is the king of your heart, guess where the kingdom is? It's inside of you. The kingdom of God is wherever God's in charge now. Other translations of this say, your kingdom come now. His kingdom is present in the hearts where he's in charge. Come on, pray this with me. Jesus, take charge in my life and through my life. The passion said manifest your kingdom realm. In other words, this is not a picture of something far away coming down. Manifest means it's right there and all of a sudden it appears. Right? And calls your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is in heaven. That leads us to number four. And we're going to put three and four together. But Jesus said, your will be done. And this is purpose. Right? God's purpose, not my purpose. <laughs> Come on, I want us to say something together today. Say, God's purpose is my purpose. We always talk about my purpose, right? Well, okay, but your purpose is actually just found in God's purpose. Okay, we only have purpose because God has a purpose and we're part of it. And so when we pray your will be done, we're saying instead of mine, <laughs> instead of my purposes and my plans and my desires and all that, yours instead, right? And this is real easy if he's king. Hello? If he's king of my heart, he can have his pur do his purposes and fulfill them through my life, right? So kind of... a. a a way to pray this, and I pray this a lot myself, is Jesus reign in my heart and fulfill your purposes through my life. Come on, say in and through. The thing is, if Jesus is king in my heart, then he can do his will through my life. But if he's not king in my heart, I can't really do his will. Again, God's kingdom is so important that we pray this together. Kingdom come, will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You reign in my heart and then have your way through my life, right? It's so important, again, that we understand that this isn't some, some realm out there in another world that one day is going to come and replace this one. There is a scripture that says the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdom of our God, right? And the language of that, again, is not a faraway kingdom coming to displace or replace. It is a kingdom that is literally kicking out another one. 
It's manifesting. It's coming forcefully, right, into another kingdom. This is how the kingdom of God comes. Um, His kingdom has come through Jesus. Question. Have you been rescued by King Jesus? Well, then he can come through you and rescue others. That's really the point of proclaiming the gospel message. It's that God is now my king. He's in charge of me now. And God can take charge of the earth through me. Those of us that have been rescued, he uses to rescue others. Those of us in whom he is reigning as king, those of us of whom he's taken charge, he uses us to take charge. You could say it like this. God takes charge of the earth through those whose hearts he's taken charge of. The whole plan of the kingdom, go and make disciples. Well, it's first, proclaim the good news. What is the good news? The king has come. And he has confronted sin, Satan, sickness, deception, everything that has screwed the world up. And he died. He he literally experienced the worst of the worst. So he could get rid of it. So he could take charge over it. And when he rose from the grave as king of kings and lord of lords. Now we come to him when we put our faith in Jesus. He comes and kicks the sin and the devil out of our heart, and he takes the throne as king. He takes charge of our life, and if he's in charge of me, he can start taking charge through me. Come on, let's pray it. Jesus, King Jesus, your kingdom come. Your will be done. One more thing on this. Your kingdom come and your will be done is not, I repeat, not. I'm correcting a lot of my own past impressions of this, okay? Your kingdom come and your will be done is not a prayer for Jesus to return one day. It's not. It is a prayer For Jesus to use you and me to take over the world by the gospel. Not for us to be anything. But how does Jesus take over the world? By taking over hearts. How does Jesus take over hearts? The good news. The gospel. So it If this sounds like really big, 
Well, it is the big deal. But it is also very simple. God is taking charge. God is taking over the world. His kingdom has come, is coming, and will finally completely come through the proclamation of the gospel. And my friends, that is why he absolutely will not return until the whole world has come under the charge of the gospel. Until everyone has heard, oh, the king has come. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're literally praying, God, take over the world and use me to do it. God, be in charge of me and then use me to take charge by proclaiming you as king. If we understand this, you know, the rest of the prayer is pretty easy. Number five would be provision. Give us, Jesus said. Give us this day our daily bread, right? Give us our daily needs. And if we have already hallowed him and become aware of who he is, we've become aware that he is the source and supplier and provider of all. And so if I know him as my father, I know he's my provider, which makes it easy to ask him for what I need. Now, Jesus in that same passage said he already knows what you need. And then he tells us to ask him. (laughs) Why? If Jesus just said the father knows what you need before you ask him, and then he says, ask him. Why? Because this is just part of our relationship with God as father. This is how we practice faith. Remember how faith works? Faith doesn't mean we just ask for whatever. Faith means we ask for what God says we can ask for. (laughs) Wask, right? Provision, give us. We acknowledge him as our source and provider, but we ask him. It's part of our relationship. And number six is forgiveness. Forgive us as we forgive. We give and receive forgiveness in prayer. Come on, say, confess it, experience it. You know, it's not always easy to just go, okay, yeah, sure, I'll forgive right? Hello, are we together? You're with me? Or maybe for some of you, forgiveness is just like, whatever. It's not a cinch to most people. But when we understand how much we've been forgiven forgiving others becomes simple doesn't mean the feelings are always immediate but the ability to forgive when I realize how much I've been forgiven through the cross of Jesus Christ becomes possible not only possible but a command Not only possible, but a command. And also, um, you're not actually going to experience forgiveness if you don't learn to forgive. Ay, ay, ay. We both give forgiveness and receive forgiveness in prayer. How do we give forgiveness when we don't feel like it? Just confess it. This is false doctrine or whatever, fake it till you make it. But you know what? It's not fake when you're doing it from your heart, even if you don't feel it. 
People, people say, forgive people, just fake it till you make it. No, 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 you better not be faking anything. Confess it until you feel it. What if I've confessed it a hundred times? Well, 101, here we go. How do we give forgiveness in prayer? We confess it to the one who's forgiven us. I release Pepito for all he did to me. But Jerry really hurt me. No Jerry has ever hurt me. That's why I chose his name. Okay. Okay. So what do we do? We become aware of the cross of Jesus again. Where all my sins were nailed to the cross on him, put on him. We carried him so that I can be forgiven. I release Five times, ten times, a hundred times. Jesus said seven times seventy, right? If you get to 491, let's have a conversation. (laughs) We give forgiveness. We confess it. We receive forgiveness. You know, receiving forgiveness is pretty easy when you learn to to give forgiveness. Because you know that God's better than you. So if I can release forgiveness to someone and he's way better than I, I can receive forgiveness for myself. When we realize how much we've been forgiven, it gets a lot easier to forgive. And then it makes us really, really confident when we know we're forgiven to ask for number seven, which is protection. When, When I know I'm forgiven... It's so easy to ask God to protect me. When I'm not sure if I'm forgiven or not, I don't know if I can ask him for that. Am I the only one that's ever felt that way? (laughs) If there's something between us and we hadn't got it straight, it's kind of hard to ask him not only for protection but also for provision, right? But when we know we're forgiven, we can ask him whatever we need. Including number seven, protection. He said, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Right? I pray it like this. Jesus, keep me away from temptation whenever possible. If it's possible, don't let me go near it. And when I must go through testing, help me to get through it. Right? Help me not to get trapped in it. Help me. Help me. Give me the grace to overcome in every test. Sometimes God will keep you away from stuff if you ask him. And other times you'll face stuff that you have to face, but you'll be able to overcome it because you've been tapped into him in prayer. Tapped into that grace, right? Rescue me. I pray uh, often. I pray this for myself. I pray this for my family. I pray this over y'all as a church. Lord, rescue me from evil plans, from evil people. And from evil, pain. The three Ps. Pain, people, and plans. And most of the time it's people. (laughs) Most of the time the plans and the pain are people. Come on. 
But we can ask God, God to deliver us from every evil plan of the enemy against us, which often manifests through people. God, keep me away from those folks. Keep them away from me. And if they cross my path, make me invisible. I mean, what, what P- Peter, he made Peter, Peter invisible and walked out of jail in front of his, oh, those bad people. Lord, keep those people in Oregon. That's nothing against Oregon. I'm just saying, far away from me. I've never been to Oregon. I don't know what I'm talking about. But you know what? It's okay to ask God to keep you away from stuff. And many, many times he really will do it. He'll keep you out of situations. You ever been somewhere and later realize, if I'd have been there five minutes earlier, we might have had trouble. Thank you, Lord, for that traffic jam. Right? You are cursing everybody in the traffic jam. And then you're thanking Jesus because, oh, I'm glad I didn't get there when earlier, right? <laughs> Keep me away from stuff, but also if I must, when I must, because we must be tested, help me get through it and overcome. He wants us to look for him, to look to him for our protection. And listen, the only way I know how to say to end is this. If I understand the good news (laughs) that God is my father because of Jesus, and I find a secret life, a a life in the secret place of prayer and worship, submission to, to him, seeking to fulfill his purposes in my life and seeking him for my provision forgiveness and protection, it'll always end with number eight, which is praise. Praise. Yours. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Not unto us, O Lord. This is in the Psalms, right? Not unto us, but to your name be all the glory. Forever. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Everything comes from you, through you. It's all for you. And for all you've done and all you're doing and all you're going to do, I praise you. We start worshiping our Father and we end with praise. Do you have to do it in that exact order? No. But let's make worship and praise, praise and worship, always a part of our prayer. In fact, what I've learned as I've learned to pray Jesus' prayer model is if you really, really, really press into it, you'll end up praising and worshiping more than you end up asking. The asking part is pretty quick and easy if you're aware of him and praising him for who he is. And all he's done. I just wonder what the results might be. What we might experience if we learn to pray like Jesus.
if prayer in the secret place was Jesus' secret <laughs> weapon, and he taught us how to do it, just what might the possibilities be if we learn to pray like that? I just want to say it one more time. Let's practice it this week. On your own, in your own personal devotion, your own prayer time. Come to the sanctuary Wednesday evening if you'd like. But let's practice praying like Jesus this week. Now, just before we end today in worship and prayer, hallowing his name and praising his name. I want to ask just for the next minute or two if we could avoid getting up and down, going in and out, just in reverence for God's presence and respect for one another. Maybe somebody is here today and Jesus is not in charge of your heart. Maybe you have not entered the kingdom of God. Jesus said to enter the kingdom... To be in the kingdom of God, we have to be born again. Jesus did not come to give us a better life. Jesus came to give us a new life. A new life. He didn't come to fix your old life. He came to give you a new life. When Jesus takes charge as king of your heart, everything changes. And he said this, Jesus' very first message, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is right here. Repent, which means fall in line with God. Fall in line with him. Stop going the way you're going and go my way instead. Stop being the king of master of your own heart and let me now be in charge. We later learned that he dies on the cross carrying our sins so that that can actually be possible. Now, if we put our faith in Jesus in his death on the cross and that he rose from the grave to defeat sin... Now we can literally open up our hearts and we don't just ask him forgiveness, but he comes and sets us free from sin and he comes and takes charge of our life as our king. Is Jesus in charge of you today? Have you given Jesus Christ charge over your heart and life? If you never have, you can right now. And if at one time in your life you say, I did, but he is not in charge now. I'm in charge. And today you say, I don't want to be in charge anymore. I want him to be in charge. I am no longer my king. I am renouncing the throne. Today I'm giving the throne of my heart and my life to Jesus. Right now, if, 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 if everyone would just bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Because although this will become the most public thing ever in your life, it first has to be a personal decision. You need to make the decision today to make Jesus the Lord and King of your life. So if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never been born again, or 
Maybe one time you did, but you've been backslidden. And today you want to give Jesus charge over your life and put your faith in him. If that's you, would you just briefly, just very quick, just pop your hand up and down. I want to see who you are. Okay. Anybody say, that's me? I want Jesus. I surrender to Jesus as my king. Very good. Anybody else? So raising your hand isn't magic. I just, I know there's something powerful when, when we actually make a move and say, yep, that's me. Okay. Just remain seated. I want to invite every single one of us right there in our seats to make Jesus the king of your heart right now. If you've never done it before, welcome to the kingdom. <laughs> If you used to be walking with him and you haven't been and now you're coming back, welcome home again. If Jesus is your king, just renew that commitment today. You don't have to pray my words, but just something like this. King Jesus, be my king. King of kings, be my king. Your kingdom come to my heart. Take charge of my life. Jesus, I believe that you gave your life, King of the universe. You entered in to flesh. You entered into the world so that you could defeat sin for me, so that I could be forgiven, so that my heart and my life could be clean and you could be my King. Jesus, I confess you today, King of my life. You died for me. You rose for me. You ascended back to heaven as King of kings. And today I declare you are my King. In fact, why don't we all declare Jesus Christ, King of kings. You are my King. Your kingdom come. Take charge. Reign in my heart as King. And fulfill every purpose of yours in my life. I surrender to you, King Jesus. Why don't we stand all together as the worship team comes. And as we get ready to end and worship in prayer, I just want to say this very quick. If we could have this on the screen. If you made a decision to make Jesus your Lord and King today, if you wouldn't mind, just text the word Jesus to that number on the screen, same number on the magnet behind your chair. We're going to send you a video explaining more about the gospel, about salvation, about the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, what it means to be born again, and what the next steps are that you ought to take now as a believer in Jesus Christ. So if you would, just pull out your phone, text Jesus before you go. And we'll send that to you. Could we just lift our hands to the king? We sang a song earlier today, King of Glory. And it's actually from, from a scripture. And before we, we end today, Proclaiming him as king.
and praying his kingdom come. Psalm 28 says it like this. And it's so important that you're able to answer the question. excuse me open up ancient gates open up ancient doors and let the king of glory enter this is the kingdom (laughs) who is the king of glory come on even before I read any more of that scripture can you just say his name do we know who he is His name is Jesus. He is the King of glory, the Lord. The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors and let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. (laughs) He is the King of glory. And today, with our hands and our hearts lifted, We welcome you, King of glory, King Jesus, the King who came and won the battle. The King who, through the gospel, through the good news, you are taking over the earth. Your word says, until all things are humbled underneath your feet, Jesus. We invite you today into our hearts and into our lives. And we invite you. Come on, let's pray this today today together. We invite you also through our lives. King Jesus, may your kingdom come. Your kingdom come to me. Your kingdom come through me. Have your will in me. Have your will through me. Your kingdom come. Take charge of me and take charge through me until all things are humbled underneath your feet, Jesus. Underneath your name. Name above all names. Come on, let's praise him. Name above all names. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become God's righteousness through him. The word of God, the eternal word of God humbled himself even to death and even a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him, his name to the highest authority. Every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The King of glory is King Jesus. And we praise you and we worship you today. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at encounterchurchatlanta.org. 
I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.